Hi, this is Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Fonville. We're making our way through a study in Galatians 3 called Sons of Abraham. We're unpacking verses 10 through 14, where Paul says pretty bluntly, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, but he doesn't leave us hanging. He also says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That's good news, right? Well, let's turn our attention now to this message called Escaping the Curse and Receiving God's Blessing. Here's Pastor John with part two. And so let me depict for you what Paul is doing here and just quickly summarize Deuteronomy 27. The the scene is quite moving in chapter 27 if you look at it. Um, God instructed Israel on the day that they were to cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land. God commanded Moses, Moses, divide up the 12 tribes into two groups of six. You can see this fulfilled in Joshua chapter 8, verses 30 to 35, and they did it. And so what happened was six tribes would stand on Mount Gerizim, and six tribes would stand on the other side of the valley on Mount Ebal. And they would form what is like an antiphonal choir. And the Levites, were command, who were the priests in the temple, were commanded by God with loud voices to instruct the people and recite the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience. And as they recited the blessings and the curses, one tribe, um, the tribe of Mount Gerizim would respond and affirm the blessings by saying, Amen, with a loud shout. And the six tribes on Mount Ebal would respond back after the curses with an equally loud shout and say amen to the curses. And so you had this amen going back and forth, very loud, very amazing moving scene. Now as a former Pharisee and expert in the law, Paul understood this blessing curse pattern very well. Now, why is this important to you? Turn back to Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to show you why. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, this is what Paul does. He picks up on the blessing, cursing pattern commanded by God in the law. And he applies it to the situation in Galatia and gives you the Christian understanding of what it was supposed to have meant back in Deuteronomy, but they missed it. Verses 10 to 12 is Mount Ebal. Verses 13 and 14 is Mount Gerizim. And so he's teaching you what the law really meant. And so this context deals with both how a sinful man cannot and can be in a favorable, right relationship with a righteous God. And what Paul does here in Galatians 3, in this passage, in verse 10, is that he quotes Deuteronomy 27-26, and he shows you from the law itself that the law cannot bless you because it was never intended to. That's the whole context here. And that's where he gets this blessing, cursing pattern from. He's teaching you what Deuteronomy 27 really was intended to mean. 
And so the curses pronounced in the law are God's judgment against sinful humanity. I'll just stop there. You got the context. Do you know what the modern man in our culture does not like to hear? He doesn't like to hear that he has a sin problem, and he doesn't like to know that he's accountable to God for judgment. And so he does everything he can do to get away from that. And this is how they think in our culture. God's a God of love. Surely he wouldn't condemn someone just for a little minor infraction. Keep that thought in mind, because people say that all the time. Such a way of thinking misunderstands the law, because Paul says that God in his law requires total obedience, and that disobedience brings man under the awful penalties of his judgment. He says in verse 10, if you rely on the works of the law, you're cursed, because you must abide by all things. There is no mercy in the law. None. By quoting Deuteronomy 27-26, Paul summarizes for you the major proposition in the voice of the law. And this is what it is. Do this and live, or disobey this and die. No mercy. No leniency. No clemency, no pardon, no grading on a curve. You keep it all and you will live. One minor infraction and you're cursed. And you say, well, how do I know that? Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, where Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount is giving you a spiritual exposition of the law. He's teaching you like Paul, this is what the law is intended. He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not, listen, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. You know what Jesus is saying there? And and, and if you look at the Greek alphabet, in in the iota is the smallest letter in the Greek alphabet. And when he was talking about the Scriptures here, he was referring back to the Hebrew Bible. And if you look in the Hebrew Bible, the yod of the Hebrew alphabet is the smallest. And that's what he says here. He says, not the smallest letter of the law not even a yod will pass until it's accomplished. And then he says, not a dot. You know what a dot is? A dot is a tiny little extension on a Hebrew letter that was used to differentiate different Hebrew letters. Like a seraph on a modern manuscript. It's a little teeny speck in the law. And Jesus says, not the smallest letter, not even the smallest little extension of a letter in the law will be passed until it is all fulfilled. And Jesus says, if you want to live, you must do that if you want to live according to the law. 
you got to be perfect. And he says, if you don't, down to the most minutest detail of the law, keep it perfectly every second of every moment of every breath that you ever take in thought, word, deed, emotion, and imagination, you are cursed. Please listen carefully. God, as a just judge, cannot pronounce anybody just and grant them a right to life except on the basis of perfect righteousness. Cannot do it. And so in the matter of justification, Paul's saying to you, listen, your acts of obedience are never good enough to merit God's favor and justification and approval. And the reason is because of this. If you want to have hope to stand before the living God in judgment, you must have a righteousness that is absolutely perfect and total complete agreement down to every iota and dot of the law. And every single thing we do in this life, at best, is imperfect and stained with sin. This is the law speaking. This is Mount Ebal. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul is quoting Mount Ebal in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. He says this If we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Of course, because outside of Christ, there is no blessing. There's nothing left. And so Paul is just taking these Judaizers' legalistic distortion of the law, and he says, haven't you read? It is written. Don't you understand? It is written. He says, those who trust in the works of the law are people who are seeking to be accepted by God based on what they do. We'll just stop there for a second. This week, I sin. Bad. And guess what? This week, you sinned equally bad. Right? I sinned bad this week. You sinned equally bad this week. So let's just all agree that, okay, we're all, we all did it. Here's my point. When you sin really bad, and if you profess to know Christ, what does it do to your conscience? Just nags. Nags and nags. And then the enemy comes on top of the conscience. See, I told you, you hypocrite. Uh, Yep, come join us all. (laughs) And you just feel guilty and you start to lose your assurance. You have no joy. You have no sweetness of fellowship with God. You don't lose your fellowship. You know what you lose? You lose the sweetness of it. And then you start listening to Mount Ebal. Cursed be everyone who doesn't 
do what God told you to do. So every click of pornography that you guys have done this past week, Mount Ebal looks at you and says, cursed. For all the impatience all you wives have had towards your children this week and just yelled at them, Mount Ebal says, cursed. For every argument you've had with your spouse this week, cursed. For every road rage moment that you've had this week, cursed. So how do you live the Christian life when you know you're blowing it? You're not living up to the law. You see, and we're going to come back to this in a minute. Most Christians expect God to bless them because they go to a life transformation coaching group and they work hard at keeping the principles for a blessed life. And when they don't keep them, guess what they do? They're cursing themselves. I'm going to come back to that. This is how the fallen mind thinks. Deep inside every fallen heart is the desire to be self-justified. Just tell me what to do, give me a life coach, and I'll be righteous. And every time we're given lists of things to do, our ears perk up and our self-righteousness springs to its feet, eager for action. And this is why evangelical churches are flooded with the variety of books and seminars and conferences telling them how they can be blessed in every area of their life if they just get to the point where they finally apply the right set of principles. We just need someone to show us how to do it. We just need the right secret. And Paul says that is a distortion of the law. And you know what the ironic thing is? Listen very carefully to this, because this will help you understand what Paul's saying here. The ironic thing is that everyone who teaches that works of the law, whether they're rigid, legalistic versions like the Judaizers, or if they're the pleasant, friendly versions that smile to you with perfect teeth and say, you can have your best life now whether it's rigid and legalistic or present, pleasant and friendly, anyone who teaches that works of the law will lead to a blessed life. They distort the law and they curse the people week after week after week. Do you want to know why people feel defeated and discouraged all the time as believers? And you will at times. I mean, sanctification is difficult, but on a continual basis, here's why. Week after week, they come to church and they're fed continual diets of practical, relevant, soul-killing principles. And what they do is they leave with their notebooks full of steps, action items to do. And by Monday morning, they've broken them all and they throw their hands up and go, I can't do this. That's what it feels like to be cursed right there. Can't get enough to the church to get your car that you want. You can't give enough to get, give to the church, get your health back. You can't do enough. You're looking for prosperity, looking for success, looking for victorious Christian living, 
where, when's it going to come? When's my ship going to come in? So you come back next week, you get more principles, you work hard on those, you break one of them, you cursed yourself again. And you just go deeper and deeper and deeper under the curses. And listen to what Martin Luther says. He says, if the law itself given through Moses by a divine command subjects those who are under it to a curse, much more will those laws and traditions do so which have been invented by human reason. You have ten commandments, and then you have Buddha's ten life-giving principles. You have ten commandments, and then you have the book How to Live a Blessed Life, which gives you ten more principles. So now you got twenty human man-made principles plus ten divine principles. You know what? That's exactly what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees said, we got ten here. To keep those ten, we're gonna we're gonna invent six hundred and thirty-nine more to keep the ten. And Jesus looked at every one of them. And when he spoke to those Pharisees, they were the most outstanding, moral, most admired people in Jacksonville. And Jesus looked at those people and said, you are a whitewashed tomb. Offering endless lists of spiritual principles and moral exhortations for getting God's favor and approval over your life is in effect saying to people week after week, do this and live. And it just sounds so good. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, who's bewitched you? Who's allured you? Who's cast a spell over you? Who's made it seem so appealing to you? You understand, endless list appeal to you. Endless list appeal to the fallen human flesh. Just tell me what to do. The Nike slogan, just do it. But these people who offer endless, practical, relevant tips week after week never ever think about the other underlying premise of the law. The law is not only do this and live, but if you don't do this, be cursed. So please understand, when you are trying to live your Christian life by keeping endless lists of practical, relevant tips to get God's favor, you are cursing yourself. What is the answer? This is the answer. It is to have a constant, lifelong, unremitting immersion and good news. That's the answer. And you know what happens when you're constantly nourished and immersed and washed and soaked in good news? Do you know what automatically happens to you? Galatians chapter 5 is called the fruit of the Spirit. You just naturally begin to obey God's law and you love God, and you begin to live for other people. It's completely reversed. And the thing that you are seeking by your works is found, ironically, by not working, but by believing. And when you do believe, then you start working because your heart is so happy, you can't help but to give it away. 
is completely different. And so this is what faith does. Faith, genuine, saving, justifying faith. Unlike the works of the law, performance-driven Christianity looks only to the grace and righteousness, the blessing offered in Jesus Christ. And like a laser stuck on the bullseye, never, ever stops focusing there. And because faith by its nature, you know what it is? It's a self-emptying grace. It always looks away from self. It always looks away from self-accomplishment. And it always looks outward to Christ and His accomplishments. And it just rests in Jesus. I just want to show you one more passage as we close this. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, this is what Paul says justifying faith does. Look what it does. He says, I count everything as loss. Paul says, every single thing I did as a self-righteous Pharisee, utter loss. I don't look at that anymore. He says, why? Because of the surpassing worth the incalculable worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Justifying faith is a self-emptying grace and it turns you totally away from anything you have ever done to try to get God's favor over your life or to keep God's favor over your life. It doesn't trust in that. It looks away from that and like a laser beam looks right at Jesus and said, in Jesus is my only hope. And Jesus is my only righteousness. And Jesus is all of my blessing. And if I possess Jesus, I possess everything. And if I do not possess Jesus, I possess nothing. That's justification. That's justifying faith. Let's just close with this. God did not give us the law to make us good people. If you, you know, we go back to this introduction, and if you remember, if I can find it, let me say it like this God did not give us the law to know the power of impact and influence, God did not give us the law to know respect and credibility, God did not give us the law to know generosity and blessing. He did not give us the law to know righteousness and discretion. He did not give us the law for prosperity and success. He did not give us the law to have a worry-free life. He did not give us the law to keep it so that we can leave a perfect legacy behind. 
God did not give us the law so that we're generous, that we make effort, we have patience, so that we're ethical, so that we meditate on his truth, so that we're wise, truthful, steadfast, have a good attitude. None of that. That is not why he gave us the law. God gave us the law to make us to see how bad we really are. And he gave us the law not to show us how to earn a blessed life, but to show us that we can never come to a blessed life by keeping it. And if you want to try to get God's favor in your life and to remain there, you have to turn from that and trust in Christ alone. And then when you trust in Christ alone, your life will naturally produce the fruit of the Spirit. Because remember the blessing of this justification? Not only you get justification, but you get verse 14, you get the Holy Spirit. And He lives His life in you. And He produces His fruit through you to the glory of God and to the joy of other people. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called Escaping the Curse and Receiving God's Blessing, Part 2. More from the series is coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at paramountchurch.com. I'm Josh Montez. Thanks for listening and join us next time.